this rookie's chain. Cole, you're wandering all over the track. Yeah, well, the son of a bitch just slammed into me. No, he didn't slam into you. He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. We end up looking like a monkey fucking a football out there. This week, the Pool Scene Podcast returns to the filmography of the Middle Tooth Thetan. Ha <laughs> ha, buddy! My jaw doesn't line up quite right. It's like a hereditary thing, but I still don't have a middle tooth. I'm Kevin. A person who also has teeth is my co-host, Jim. Hi, I am Jim. I am your racing aficionado here on the Pool Scene Podcast. That's a good point. You do really like the driving, the racing. Yes, I do. The four-wheel. As we're about ready to kick off the NASCAR season, we're giving you guys this amazing nugget. But it's not just racing. Our movie has sports. Yep. And romance. Check. And bromance. Check. And fucking speed, man. Fuck yeah. The Middle Tooth Thetan is, of course, Tom Cruise, and the movie is Days of Thunder. Woohoo! Days of Thunder was released in 1990 and directed by Tony Scott. No, not the character from Chinese Speaking Vampires. <laughs> Tony Scott, the director, rest in peace. He helmed Top Gun. Beverly Hills Cop 2, The Last Boy Scout, where somebody gets shot while playing football in a professional game, and True Romance, to name a few of his films. He also directed Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone music video and George Michael's One More Try and Father Figure music videos. Too bad it wasn't I Want Your Sex. That would be great. This movie was actually based on a concept by Tom Cruise after he got to test some race cars. So Tom Cruise's life's probably awesome, right? Uh, beyond awesome. And uh, he can't get sick. He can talk to animals. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So they, they're they like, you know, they let him drive some race cars. And he's like, this is pretty awesome. So a bunch of these scenes in this movie are based on events like true events sort of turned into one story yeah so they took a bunch of anecdotes from real life racing and they amalgamated them into one script amazing amount of stories from Earnhardt Petty Rusty Wallace a lot of good guys Gant however production began on Days of Thunder without a completed script they were writing scenes the day of filming now a lot of the cast and crew were going way into overtime ended up being on set and in their trailers for up to 20 hours because they were like writing day of it was like when we had backyard wrestling yeah time crunch yeah tom cruise at times in this movie was reading his lines off cue cards and when he was in the car they actually put an inner ear device yeah and they were feeding him lines through his earpiece well sometimes he was reciting his lines but when they would have a close-up onto his face his mouth ain't moving at all A lot of B-roll questionable scenes in this movie. I'm sure the studio was thrilled with the uh, write-as-you-film process. Hey, we're going to give you this much money to make a movie and then watch you guys write it as you go. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. There were a lot of things about the making of this movie that were a mess, including no one realizing until after filming completed, like they wrapped, there wasn't any footage of Cole Trickle crossing the finish line at Daytona. (laughs) Overrated. You don't need it. However, one thing it had going for it is that it's one of the only PG-13 movies to include the word fuck in a sexual context. Whoa, really? Good for the unaccompanied minors who got to see this in theaters sans parents. <laughs> Whoa. Did they? He just say he wanted to fuck her? Jim, if you'd be so kind, steer us into the budget and box office information along with number ones and news at the time of release. Yeah. 
Days of Thunder came out June 27th, 1990 to a $60 million budget and it made $158 million at the box office. So about double. You're good there. Right. And and the studio saw this as a colossal failure. Which, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Because I, I've got some notes. It's, it's pretty crazy, the fallout from this movie. I mean, I'm assuming... And I'm just guessing here before you talk about it, that they had an, an amazing agreement with NASCAR where they were like, we'll give you this footage. We'll give you access to these drivers and hopefully well, I'm cobble sure. something together. I'm not sure about all that. I would imagine this movie had a pretty aggressive marketing campaign. I know, as you mentioned off air before we started recording, that there was a uh, like a Hot Wheels tie-in. Yep, the Cold Trickle and, and Roddy Burns. This is, and this will come up later, so just put an earmark in this. This may have fallen within like Tom Cruise's prime. So I'm sure he was getting a fat paycheck for oh, this. Oh, big time. And yeah, so even though it doubled the budget when you put the marketing materials in it, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what it needed to clear in order to. But the amazing thing, like I told you also off air, this movie is the quintessential 1990 color scheme movie. Look at Cole Trickle City Chevrolet car, his Superflow car, the Mellow Yellow 51, Russ Wheeler, underrated, Marty's. Maybe this isn't a logic question, but when when Harry Hogg. H-O-double-G-E. When Harry Hoge (laughs) makes the... uh, when he builds the car, yeah, does he do the paint job? Because they, they like show him in a garage working on it. And then like the next thing you see, it's got like the gradient green. I'm like, man, this guy can do it all. Sometimes I think it came across like Harry was a fucking prophet. Like he was a car speaker. Like he, this car would talk to him. Yeah. So Kevin, we're going to go a little different stuff here on the news this week. We're going to change it up a little bit. Sports. We're talking about sports here. NASCAR season, like I said, is about to start off. So I can't think of anything better than to tell you who graced the cover of Sports Illustrated for the week of June 27th, 1990. Your favorite golfer, Kevin. Okay. Hale Irwin. Who? Good old Hale Irwin. You might know him from winning a ton of senior open titles. I thought you were going to say Jeff Gordon. Not Jeff Gordon. Not Jeff Gordon. That probably was a few years later, right? It would be another four years before Jeff Gordon came onto the scene. Did Jeff Gordon have a short career? In NASCAR? Just period. Jeff Gordon was around for over 20 years in NASCAR. Oh, wow. Four Jeff- Winston. Oh, sorry. Four cup titles. I shouldn't say Jeff Winston. Gordon, his stuff seemed to be everywhere. Like oh. he's to me, with the exception of maybe Earnhardt, that Jeff Gordon stuff was everywhere. Everybody in the, the Rainbow 24. Yeah. every like You saw that stuff. Everyone like he took. He was like one of the first drivers that I ever noticed creeping into like pop culture. Well, for him, for Jeff Gordon specifically, he wasn't a Southern boy. I believe he was raised in Indiana and he was the polar opposite. They needed that guy to go against Earnhardt, the intimidator, the black number three. Yeah. You have this rainbow 24. It's a dichotomy of two people. But Gordon won four cup titles. He's a Hall of Famer. He did really good. But yeah, he's over 20 years in NASCAR. Okay. So that's NASCAR, longer than I thought. NASCAR careers go for well over 20, almost 30 years. Except for Dale Jr. Probably, thankfully, retired. Concussions yeah. added up. And yep. I mean, that's a lot to live up to when your dad is a seven-time champion. Who died on the track. Who died on the track. It's a lot to live up to. Horrible segue, Kevin, but Sorry. in the news, <laughs> Dr. Jack Kevorky. Oh, no. <laughs> fuck. Assists an Oregon woman to commit suicide, beginning a national debate over the right to die. Okay. Hey, your body, you're right. You should be able to do what you want to do. However, one person who did not control over what body he ended up in, NBC decides to air episodes of Quantum Leap for five straight days. <laughs> Whoa. Hell yeah. In sports, what up, George? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. 
speaking of Dale Earnhardt, the Intimidator himself wins the NASCAR Winston Cup Michigan 500 this past weekend on June of 27th, 1990. And just so our younger audience understands, this is Winston is in Winston cigarette. All forms of motorsport back then had a lot of cigarette manufacturing. That was the height of cigarette manufacturing until the mid-aughts where it kind of said, yeah, we're done with cigarette manufacturing. No more. That's not a, a much of a thing. You don't see the uh, Camel Bowl or no. the Marlboro, you know, bowl yeah. played in football. Like it's, they literally were sponsored. Any NASCAR driver ever smoke in the car? Probably back in the 50s and 60s. There's no doubt in my mind. Ripping a dart while you're doing <laughs> two hundo. <laughs> Fuck it. That should be a name of the movie. Ripping a dart doing two hundo. However, he did go on to win the cup by 24 points over the number six Valvoline Roush Ford to Mark Martin. Okay. There's your NASCAR sports little nugget for you. The defending champion Detroit Pistons beat the Portland Trail Blazers 92-90 in game five for back-to-back titles. Piece of shit Isaiah Thomas was mm-hmm. your MVP. P. Kevin, we've talked about this man on the podcast before, but Jose Canseco yeah. signed a record for this time. $4.7 million per year Oakland Athletics contract. Wow. 4.7 record contract there. Let's throw it over to our man, Kurt Loader and MTV News. Hi, I'm Kurt Loader with an MTV News Brief. A big song, Kevin, stormed up the charts. Hit number 13, Turtle Power by Partners in Crime. Which fucked up. Yes. Because they say Raphael's the leader of the team. Splint is the teacher, so they are the students. Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello. Make up the team with one other fellow, Raphael. He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear group. No, he's not. That's the only, like, piece. I, I mean, maybe, hey, if you read the comic books from yeah. the early 80s the or whatever. Kevin Eastman ones. You reach out to me and you tell me I'm wrong. But as far as I know, Turtle Power is the only example of anyone ever saying Raphael was the leader. Nobody ever. Or Michelangelo, because he's a goofball. But, like... Donatello and Leonardo always seemed like the leaders. For me, being the cartoon watcher as we were, it was Leonardo yeah. who was the leader of the team. Right. Not Raphael. Never. If you remember that first movie, Raphael spent the majority of it knocked out in a bathtub. And if you remember, there is a 20 years later, I think it is, revisitation. Where is Raphael now? Um, <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. It's VH1. Behind the they, shell. Yeah, behind the, behind the shell of Raphael. It rhymes. Uh, yes! Um, no, there's like a 20 years later of Partners in Crime. They do that Shredder Won't Like It version. Oh, God. Remember? Yeah. And they they buy, I wouldn't even call them like costume store quality. They're like somewhere between costume store, rental costume quality, and movie quality. They're somewhere in the middle of that. They're like scary looking Ninja Turtle it's costumes that he made like his own video for YouTube. But it's literally Rock the Casbah, but it's Shredder Won't Like It, Rock the Half Shell. Oh, my God. For the longest time, I didn't realize it was Partners in Crime. I thought it was Digital Underground that did the song, <laughs> which would have been great if yeah, Humpty. Why, why can't Humpty dress up as Raphael? Rest I have no peace. idea. Rap group Two Live Crew members are arrested in Florida for obscenity charges. Two Live Crew went on trial in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on Tuesday, charged with singing obscene songs for paying adults during a nightclub performance last June. The jury consisted of five white members, one black. So far, by their own admission, their main problem has been stifling fits of laughter. First, it was learned that a police 
recording of the offending performance had been made on a tiny microcassette recorder placed inside a briefcase. When prosecutors attempted to submit a policeman's handwritten transcription of what he thought he heard on that very garbled tape, Judge June Johnson turned them down, leaving defense attorneys flushed with potential victory. Uncle Luke talking about dropping that pussy. He dropped his ass into jail, which is bullshit because it went on with the parental advisory stickers on the two live crew albums. I'm sorry, but as a kid, it's like this shit going on with Rogan right now. You put a parental advisory sticker on it. I'm going to want to listen to it more. It's going to make it more intriguing for me because I feel like it's illegal and I shouldn't be listening to it. Yes. So you're only encouraging Tipper Gore with the whole yeah parental oh, advisory yeah. and steamrolling the CDs. Yeah, go figure. Speaking of somebody who didn't need any parental advisory stickers, if anything, you needed to lock your moms up. Billy Joel performed a concert at Yankee Stadium. You're just turning the screw. You're attacking <laughs> at this point. And we're living here in Allentown. And one person that was not in Allentown, your number one movie in America, Dick. Tracy who didn't get a hard dick for hard wow. dick Tracy we've talked about this this isn't really a spoiler for our audience I think we've had dick Tracy penciled in on it's like season one yeah for every season and but we can't find it on DVD yeah that's the thing is it's it's not that much of an accessible movie it's not streaming because like we try to help you guys out we want you to watch these movies along in anticipation of the episode when we put out the hints and announce the movie but a lot of these are on Netflix or HBO or it's Amazon or Hulu or somewhere dollar tree dollar tree and dick tracy is just no i found it on vhs that's kevin and i have it on vhs but it does us no good for this yeah your number one song in the united kingdom sacrifice slash holding hands by elton john okay i don't know the song Neither do I. But the one song we did hear of, number one here, and it must have been love. But it's over now. By Roxette. Underrated. Very. I thought Roxette was underrated in general. Yeah. They didn't get enough enough. That song could be stroke. a little modernized because great melody. Yeah. But if you let, not that Roxette didn't have good singers or wasn't a good singer. I don't know if Roxette was It was everyone. a guy and a girl. Okay, it was both of them. So, but if you let somebody sing that now with that melody oh, yeah. and just kind of like modern instruments, it'd be great. I'm going to give you a bit of a Jim Guyden, Jim's side story. Speaking of rock set, I know Jim Guyden. Yeah. When I was doing horror comedy movies back in the day, I used a theater name because I didn't want to use my real name because, God forbid, I was like, who's going to track <laughs> me down this shit? Even though the first movie I used my real name, I became Titus the Look Wheeler yeah. based off of Roxette's The Look because she's got the look. And that I didn't know that's me. where that came from. I yeah. mean, I, I Titus know. Wheeler, I just imagined in my head, but the look came from Roxette. So you're much like Tony Scott. You're much like. Tony Scott vampire. Davy, yes, Davy Williams, who was David Williams, who was wasn't he David K Williams? Yeah, or he was every iteration of a Davy. You guys are the same. Because hi, I like when a girl calls me the look and text <laughs> messages, but that's all that was going on in 1990, June 27. Now, Cole, when you shift the gear and that little needle on the tack goes into the red and reads 9,000 RPM. That's bad. It's also my fault if the tires blow. Yes, this old fart. Well, hell yes, it's your fault. There's 40 other vultures out there who managed to finish the race on their tires. You see Darrell Waltrip using up his tires? 
There's nothing I can't do with a race car. Well, that's the difference between you and me. There's only so much I can do. That's obvious. So basically, the disappointing box office ruined the relationship between Paramount Pictures and producers Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson. Just ridiculous. How is it? It's not that disappointing. It didn't bomb. It didn't bomb, but I bet they wanted like 300. 300. Yeah. Paramount's anger towards the pair resulted in two things. One, they majorly lowballed the budget for the upcoming Beverly Hills Cop 3. So Simpson and Bruckheimer were well. they were supposed to produce Beverly Hills Cop 3. Paramount was like, we're going to give you 80 bucks, you know, whatever yeah. it was, like a very low ball budget offer. And they also wanted Simpson and Bruckheimer to pay them $9 million. What? Why that number? I don't maybe, I don't Random. know what they got paid for Days of Thunder, but Paramount was like, we want $9 million. For Beverly Hills Cop 3? No, just. Oh, in general. They wanted it back because they were like, you promised us Days of Thunder would be great. And like, they wanted $9 million back. Look, everybody, we covered Beverly Hills Cop 3. We covered it with TJ. Like, the movie could have been so much more. Yeah. And so not necessary. They obviously said no, Bruckheimer. And, and Simpson. So Paramount terminated their contract. Ooh. And Simpson and Bruckheimer signed a production deal with Disney via Hollywood Studios. Interesting. So then from then on, Simpson Bruckheimer Pictures tanked. Distributed through Disney. Uh, tanked right through them. All right. All right. Let's draft into the plot. Oh. We start with our main character, Cole Trickle. He's young, but he has several championships in open wheel racing. Which is IndyCar, basically. Yeah. Cole has his sights set on the next chapter, winning the Indianapolis 500. Cole is recruited by Tim Dolland to join his team in the Winston Cup Series. Dolland also brings car builder and crew chief Harry Hogg out of retirement <laughs> Harry Hogg. to lead Cole's team. Harry had left NASCAR a year prior to avoid investigation for the death of his driver, Buddy Bretherton. Great name. Uh, it's excellent name. Cole struggles in his first few races, and current Winston Cup champion and rival racer makes things harder for Cole, essentially hazing him on the track. God damn it, that's enough. You can't play with Rowdy like this. He's going to give you a real ass ripping. Just relax, Harry. Somebody's got to give, and it's Rowdy Burns who's out. Is this the first time you've ever came across Michael Rooker? Because this was the first time I ever did. I probably saw Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer before I saw Days of Thunder. <laughs> but man, is he not but yeah. the best like Dale Earnhardt type? I love Michael Rooker. He's the best. He is fantastic. He's Mary Poppins. He's in Fast 9. Yeah. Cole finally gets his first win, and their rivalry heats up more. There being Rowdy Burns. Ugh. At the Firecracker 400 at Daytona, both Cole and Rowdy are seriously injured in a big wreck. While in the hospital, Cole starts banging a neurosurgeon named Claire. <laughs> Him and Rowdy, not like physically in the hospital. It's not no. like he shows up. I, I mean, mean, his dick was out. Kind of, yeah, he yeah, kind of tries to make While Harry was in the corner of the room sleeping. They laugh at him, but that's Harry's fault. He apologizes. Yeah, for really. Him and Rowdy also bond and become close friends. So they're cooped up in the hospital together. There's like a wheelchair race. They're, they're friends. While in the hospital, Dolan has hired a rookie interim driver to take over for Cole named Russ, Russ Wheeler. Ah, oh, Carrie Elways. Uh, Tim wanted you to meet uh, Russ Wheeler. He's going to be driving for us until you get your medical clearance. It's a real pleasure to race your car, Mr. Trickle. Yeah, thanks for helping out. Uh, yeah, Tim, I need a home address of a doctor. Uh, I'm really sorry I won't be able to drive it near as good as you, though. 
when Cole returns, Dolland fields two teams. So he doesn't just say like, all right, Russ, out of the car, Cole's back. He says, I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to run two teams. Kind of a conflict of interest. Yes. But he seems to favor Russ Wheeler's team. To report on the birth of another new Winston Cup team. Behind me, the bright orange and blue colors of Hardy's adorn this Chevrolet. Who's the driver? Well, to no one's surprise, it's Russ Wheeler, the young man who subbed so superbly just weeks ago for the injured Cole Trickle. Listen to this horse shit. Now joined by car owner Tim Dalen. Now, Tim, well, my question now is you've got two competitive spirits here, and will these competitive spirits cause you a conflict? Well, of course, Jerry, we uh, believe that we can maintain the integrity and the independence of these two race teams. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it. Who will you be rooting for come Sunday, Tim? Well, I'll tell you, Jerry, I'll even wave to him every time I lap him. Because Russ is good. He's a, a hot shot. He's got that Hardee's money coming in, brother. Doesn't have that super flow ding-dong cash. That roach beef. <laughs> The animosity leads to Cole crashing into Wheeler, which causes a fight for which Harry and Cole are fired. Rowdy has to have brain surgery, but he asks Cole to drive his car at the Daytona 500. They say I got a busted blood vessel in my brain, so they want to drill a hole in my head, get rid of the leaky blood. You think I should let them do it, Cole? Yeah. You'd let them if it was you? I would. Okay. Then I gotta ask you to do something for me. Well, name it. Drive my car. What are you talking about? Daytona. And Rowdy lost his sponsor. Yes. So that's why he needs it. At Daytona, Cole sets up Wheeler to think he's going for a slingshot maneuver. So basically his his signature move is... Passing on the outside. Yes. Using the draft when you come up close to a bumper, basically the airflow goes over one car. It makes two cars into one. That's, he always passes on the outside. That's why you're our racing expert. I do what I can. Call me so, Dr. Yeah, Jerry Signature Punch. maneuver is to pass on the outside, but instead he sets him up. He crosses him over like Tim Hardaway and Cole passes on the inside to win Daytona. Cole celebrates with his pit crew and Claire. And then our movie ends with Cole talking to his speechless Harry. And then they have a fucking foot race to the finish line. Harry Hogg, Kevin, I don't know if you knew this. I have Harry Hogg's 40 time. He ran a 4240 to Victory Lane. Harry Hogg hauls ass. <laughs> I love that. It's a great sequel. And then <laughs> Days of Thunder 2. So my working title for this, as Jim knows, and I've mentioned a few times, if, you're, if you've been with us since the beginning, every once in a while, I'll mention one. I never put the name of the movie in my phone. I always put like an alternate title. Knights of Lightning. <laughs> Knights of Lightning. Days of Thunder, Knights of Lightning. We go from Metallica last week who they could have been called metal up your ass yeah. <laughs> to that. i love days of thunder nights of lightning i love it all right let's get into characters we have tom cruise as cole trickle in the number 46 city chevrolet the Superflow chevrolet and later the number 51 mellow yellow chevrolet character pattern after tim richmond while his name is a nod to dick trickle yeah who is an actual race car driver robert duvall as harry hogg Cole's crew chief patterned after Harry Hyde. Randy Quaid is Tim Dolland, the race team owner, patterned after Rick Hendrick. Jim, your boy, Tom Sizemore, was considered for this role. Really? Yeah. Oh. But he would have been the You know villain, what is right? still weird, though? The Randy Quaid thing. It just, to me, I'm yeah. like, oh, I forgot Randy Quaid's actually in this. Yes. Okay, so this is where things get interesting. All right, I need you uh, to get out your clicker, your counter. Nicole Kidman is Dr. Claire Lewicki. This role would have went to Robin Wright. There were scheduling conflicts, but she wasn't the only one. Get this. All of these were offered the role before Nicole Kidman. Kim Basinger, Sandra Bullock, 
Allison Duty, Jodie Foster, Sarah Jessica Parker, Heather Locklear, Madonna, Michelle Pfeiffer, Molly Ringwald, Julia Roberts, Meg Ryan, Brooke Shields, Sharon Stone, <laughs> Ali Sheedy. All turned down the role. Jesus. That makes Nicole Kidman, I think if I was counting right, 16. Okay. Kim Basinger would have made perfect sense. She just came off Batman. Popular. Got the star power. Who's the duty chick you brought up? Allison Duty. Who the hell is that? An unfortunate poop name. Yeah. Tom Cruise had some say in this. I think he was a big enough star at the time, and he had some say, and they were like, Nicole Kidman, and he had seen her in something, and he was like, that'll do. Uh, then I'll marry her. Good, en- good enough until I marry her. And She's 6'8", I'm 5'3". Her accent. It's so weird to hear her natural accent in this movie. Full-on Aussie. You shouldn't be driving a car anywhere. Not on a road, not on a racetrack, and not in a parking lot. You are selfish, you're crazy, and you're scared. Yeah, and then after that, it disappeared, and then they got divorced later on. There's these celebratory divorce photos, which are always interesting to see michael rooker as rowdy burns the current winston cup champion pattern after dale earnhardt tom cruise wanted kurt russell in this role rumor has it that the role was also offered to dale earnhardt himself who turned it down because he didn't like the bad guy stuff Mm. so rowdy starts out as the villain dale didn't like that john c Riley as buck bretherton cole's car chief carrie elwes as russ wheeler a rookie driver patterned after rusty wallace Fred Thompson is Big John. Who, Fred Dalton Thompson, at the same time this movie was out, was in Die Hard 2 at the very same time. Yep. President of NASCAR patterned after Big Bill France. Richard Petty, Rusty Wallace. Harry Gant. Neil Bonnet, Harry Gant, Dr. Jerry Punch all have cameos. They have like the real voiceover guys. They have some ESPN guys. Mario Andretti and his twin brother patterned somebody off of them. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of like inside racing Ancillary, stuff that I very, don't, that I don't yeah. under, you know, I wouldn't catch, but you would. What actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character still see it's gotta be rooker hey you ain't buried in horse manure after all looking pretty good you're the ones looking good oh it hadn't been easy harry i'll guarantee you but this bitch is ready to run i love rowdy burns is just so good the guy who's king shit sees this young kid come in and just naturally like that opening scene where he takes rowdy's car around atlanta oh he's like you would have been faster rowdy on the pole so right off the bat, he has that guy who he knows. It's his Jeff Gordon. Yeah. It's his Jeff Gordon before Jeff Gordon. And then next thing you know, they get in that accident. Harry's telling him in the hospital that he thought he would have been clear if he would have stayed up top, but he thought he got knocked in. But then those two bond. That fucking wheelchair scene oh, yeah. in the hospital hallway. How fast are they going that the, the nurses the can't catch can't up catch to them? The catch them on foot. I don't want to be next to this clown. You mind picking up the pace a little? Hey, man, if you want drugs, you have to see the nurse, okay? But yeah, I love Rowdy Burns. Uh, I like becomes human. Next thing you know, you're cheering for the guy. I like John C. Riley as Buck Brotherton. Hey, see, now there's calculating drivers, and then there's kamikaze drivers. And a call here is a kamikaze, like my pappy was. Yeah, who's that? Buddy Brotherton? Buddy Brotherton was your dad? He died at Daytona, didn't he? last year because he doesn't get a lot in this movie but he just like perfectly fits he's like perfectly cast and then he did it again for talladega night yeah, he did so it's interesting that he's been in two nascar movies but that scene in the rv where he talks about his dad dying well that's kind of a logic thing because cole who's your dad it's like what you should fucking know this he's like his name is bretherton and this guy's been on his crew for how many races? And he's like, who's your dad? He's oblivious. We'll bring that up later. All right. Let's uh, let's let's talk about best scenes. I'll go first because you you brought it up. And it's when we first meet Cole. Tim tells me you've been running open wheels. That's right. 
And now you just want to up and drive NASCAR. That's right. What do you know about stock car racing? Well, watch on television, of course. You've seen it on television? ESPN. The coverage is excellent. You'd be surprised at how much you can pick up. I sure I would. Look, this may not be the best time for you to run this car. Was there some problem? No, sir. Y'all go right ahead, but you've been this bitch the least little bit. I'm going to tear your balls off. He shows up on a motorcycle. So Tim Dolan, he doesn't have the stroke or the money to get into NASCAR. So we hear Harry tell him, nobody's going to respect you. You know, you're going to have to earn this because he's just like a car lot owner. Yeah. He like owns a like car dealership down South. Yeah. So he wants to get in NASCAR. He's not going to be able to sign a big name driver. So he gets Cole, who was an open wheel driver. So it's like he sort of gets like this driving savant, but has never driven a NASCAR. When he makes arrangements to drive out his car, he rents out the track. And when Cole shows up, he shows up on a motorcycle. And Harry's like, no, no, no. do not get in that car. Don't <laughs> drive that car. Don't touch that car. You have to remember at the time in there, it's not as much as it used to be. NASCAR was a good old boy sport. It's yeah. South of the Mason Dixon. What is great about the parallel with Cole coming from California, yeah. he's a Yankee. He's a Yankee coming into a Southern boy's sport who thinks he's king shit. And it really pisses off Harry when he says stock car is just a stock car. It's all the same. Yeah. Not to him. It isn't. No, no. And he like, they just butt heads instantly. So then he gets in, he takes the test lap, as Jim mentioned, and he actually beats Rowdy's time. Mm -hmm. And mind you, one of the things is when Rowdy tests the car, it's like perfect. It's perfectly tuned. He it's says, a I won't touch spec. a thing. Yeah. It's in perfect spec. So then Cole gets out there and they're real worried he's going to, you know, slick and hit the wall. He, he drops the hammer. He drops the hammer and he uh, comes back in. Rowdy's a little bit of an asshole to him because he's like, wait until you get out in the crowd. Which is right. Yeah. He's like, you can run, you know, an empty track, whatever, but wait until you get in the crowd. But it's. It's just funny because Harry's like, absolutely not. But then we see Cole has the chops, but it's truly wait until he gets in the field. So speaking of when it gets into the field, Cole's first couple races, he just can't. He's burning out the tires. He's dropping transmissions. He's blowing engines. At one point, they're just so fed up like Harry's sitting in the pit with ice cream. Yeah. And then my first favorite scene is fucking it's iconic he's hitting everything he's hitting car after car then yellow flag comes out he comes into the pit harry gets right up to him cole's still in the car right by his net he's like all right well we still are under a caution i want you to go back out on that track and hit the pace car hit the pace car hit the pace car what for because you hit every other goddamn thing out there i want you to be perfect go on go 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 I love it. That is such an amazing. I mean, Robert Duvall in this movie is just so good. He plays that good Southern boy. That's where him and Cole kind of just started sparking. Yeah, yeah that's uh, very representative of everything, like their relationship from yeah. the beginning throughout. It becomes more of like a surrogate father to Cole. He does. The best scene in the movie is the rental car smash up <laughs> race. Yeah. Well, you got me here. Now what? Well, here's how I see this deal. Since you agree, I ain't going to let you drive this car to dinner. And I agree, you ain't gonna let me drive this car to dinner. There's only one way to settle this. What are you talking about? Absolutely. 
So the president of NASCAR, while because Cole and Rowdy are hitting each other every race, and the president of NASCAR warns Cole and Rowdy that they have to get along. And so when they're getting out of the hospital, he tells them, we're all going to dinner together and you two are going to ride together. Neither of them are going to let that happen. No So way. Cole and Rowdy are both like, we both know we're not going to let each other drive. So they get an extra rental car and they race from the the dealer the rental dealership demolition to, derby to dinner and it is truly like demolition derby they smash the shit it's like a corsica and an, uh, alumina. an alumina and the thing that seals it is so they finally arrive they leave these just like completely smashed like demo derby cars with valet and the nascar president says delete we uh, had car trouble what kind of car trouble I believe it was the radiator. Wasn't it, Cole? Yes, Rowdy. I believe it was. And they blame it on car trouble. Rowdy says, Rowdy flashes this big smile. He's got the gap in his teeth and Cole returns the smile. So my next one is kind of a, a, a deep one. So they're in the RV after his first win. Cole's drunk. Harry's yes. drunk. Cole goes into how he ended up losing his seat. You bought worthless mining stock. Told you I lost my ride. Well, that's how I lost it. Team owner was a con man, junk bonds, worthless companies. Mainly, he sold uh, stolen yachts. When I won enough races, he even used my name to promote the sales. He went to jail, and I, I lost my ride. It's pretty humiliating, actually. Well, hell, Cole. There's no need to be embarrassed by some low-life piece of trash you put in that kind of position. Well, Harry, that depends. On what? On whether or not you related to that low-life piece of trash was my father. He worked for his dad, and he found out his dad was skimming money. Yeah. And he lost his ride. That was the scheme because Harry really doesn't know Cole's background at all. Right. Cole opens up, and I think this is the point where Harry starts seeing him as a genuine dude. Meanwhile, Buck just told Cole how his dad yeah. died, and we find out later in the film Harry might have had something to do with it, not taking yeah. Buddy out of the car. Yes. Because there was a lot of, he passed out because there was exhaust fumes and Harry was like, because he left NASCAR, he yeah. just up and left, which is very suspect. Well, there's different stories. Like in front of Buck, he tells Cole that Buddy had a massive heart attack before he hit the wall. And then when... There was a NASCAR investigation. Yeah. And then later it's like, well, you know, they said he was breathing fumes or whatever, but he was like, he was talking clear as day. You know, there's it, it just different takes on Which it. the movie could have went down another path if Harry was not telling Buck what really happened. Yes. Which would have been well, interesting. And it seems that way. Yeah. Like it definitely seems that way. It's an iconic scene in this movie, but I like the setup part of it, which is, and I will say, I don't really care for the romance and love story angle in this movie. I think it kind of takes away from it. It's the story of a rookie driving phenom it's enough he doesn't need to find love along the way yeah he doesn't he can find love fuck. later on he doesn't need yeah. to fuck his doctor no so after that exact scene that you just mentioned they're all drunk they're in the rv they get pulled over the cops make them get out of the rv and put their hands against the rv well looks like we found something what's that concealed weapon where right here <laughs> now the only question is, will he actually use it? <laughs> Please don't be mad, Harry and the boys just thought you might like me. 
And basically, one of the police officers... The look on Harry's face. ...is a sex worker or... A stripper. A stripper who is hired to basically put her hands down... Grab his... Uh, Cole's pants. His stick shift. Yeah, say, you know, he's he's got a weapon. Now will he use it or something? <laughs> and it's real funny. They make out, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So then after Cole is essentially... I don't know, he's in coma or whatever. After the big wreck, he's in the hospital and he must be out of it from the pain meds. Completely out of it. The neurosurgeon comes in and she's trying to like talk to him while all the crew's in there. He thinks it's Harry messing with him. Which, rightfully so... He has got a horrible concussion and brain bleeding. True, but he like, so he grabs the neurosurgeon's hand and puts it on his dick, basically, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and says like, Doc, isn't this what you're really looking for? Well, that's interesting enough, Mr. Trickle, but it's just not my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> This is a real thing? Well, I wouldn't play no joke on you in a situation. (laughs) Sorry, Cole, I'm trying not to smile. And then, yeah, Harry apologizes to her. Uh, I want to apologize for what happened with Cole when you come into the hospital room. Mr. Hogg, please, it's nothing to worry about. And in any case, it was hardly your doing. Well, that's just it. I believe it was. You see, uh, not too long ago after he won Darlington, we played a trick on Cole. We uh, dressed up a pretty girl in a highway patrol uniform. And anyway, uh, we told her to, to get real honorary with him, and she did. By honorary, you mean? I mean real honorary. Why would you want me to know about this? I don't want you to hold a bad opinion of Cole. I believe it scares him. He needs reassurance from you that he's OK. And after all, uh, you're his doctor. That's it. In real life, even in 1990 terms, that doctor is never going back in that room. No. There is no fucking way. Nope. My my next one, of course, is Harry and Cole in the barn after Rowdy asks Cole to ride his car because he lost his Exxon thing. Yeah. He's trying to convince Harry, let me do this. And Harry protecting the hell out of him. You're scared. Yeah, so are you. Yeah. What? I need this, Harry. I don't have anything else. You've given me a life. God damn it, I don't want to lose it. Just put me in that race car. Let me be the one to show you what you've done. Just trust me. Let me drive, Harry. I'll make a fool out of you. Because he cares about him. He doesn't want to see him die. Because Harry still has Buddy's death over his head. It's like a black cloud. But then he agrees to, okay, I'll get back in it. And then Harry's confession to him about Buddy's death. I love that scene because it's very kind-hearted. And you see how much Harry Hogg really does care about Cole. Do you have anything else? Cole completing his comeback and beating Russ Wheeler. Yeah. That's awesome. Last turn. Careful. He's going to try and slings out past you, Russ. Don't worry. I know Cole. He always goes to the outside. This one's for you, Harry. He's going high. He's going low. Son of a bitch. Here come the cars to the finish line. It's Cole Trickle taking the win. Oh, 
Yeah, we'll get to Russ a little bit later, but yes, when he pulls the maneuver to make him think he's going outside and cuts him on the inside and beats Russ Wheeler, it's awesome. Well, it's not even that. Before they even showed up, they built the car but had no engine. Yeah. So then Tim, because Cole shows up, he's like, how'd you get the engine? He looks over at Tim. Tim gets it. At one point, Cole's about ready to go a lap down, and then Tim tells Russ Wheeler's crew, go out there and push him, push him, push him. So it's good to see them actually come back yes. together as one unit, but man, Cole's passing on the outside cold and he does the slingshot and he wins Daytona perfect way to end the and movie the, the good part about that is he tells at the beginning of the movie Cole says you get me a car I'll win Daytona next year yeah, and he did it and he does it makes me wonder though if Rowdy ever came back he's still riding in Rowdy's car I think Rowdy's probably done you think he's done I don't know he I, had mean, brain I, I don't surgery. think he wants to be done but maybe uh he works on Cole's crew or something from what I've learned and from watching racing or any type of form of racing for the past 30 years you can't get it out of your blood. Even if you could have a severe accident, which we've seen severe accidents, if Earnhardt didn't die in that accident in 01 and he was just really badly injured, I have a feeling he'd still get back in that car even as he's approaching 50. It's hard to get this out of their system. All right, let's rev our, our engines for the pool check. Hey, you ready to go, Kevin? You ready to go, I'm Kevin? I'm creeped out by that. You want to get in the pool? Now, let me uh, rip my Winston dart before I jump in. Cigarette out, pool check! <laughs> burn my hand on a fucking dart <laughs> we are we're gonna do mount rushmore of driving movies now that's uh we're painting this with a broad broad brush stroke basically it could be chase movies it could be like official racing movies driving like, miss daisy be driving miss daisy there's driving in the title right so pretty broad terms and jim i'm gonna let you go first my first head on the Mount Rushmore. You can't have driving movies or chase movies without the man, Burt Reynolds. It's Smokey and the Bandit. I've got it too. That is the quintessential outlaw driving. There is some NASCAR mention in that movie too. That movie was the Mason Dixon good old boys movie. And it's one of my favorites of all time. Smokey and the Bandit. I mean, it's on. on my list. It's Burt. So that is one of my heads as well. I have from 2011 Drive. Oh, of course. I mean, he's a stuntman driver and we see see some driving stunts we see him drive as like a heist getaway driver i mean more so the movie's like drama heist movie i almost bought that jacket well a lot of people i almost think bought either it. almost bought it or did buy it i really love the opening scene and spoiler if you haven't watched it in the last you know 10 plus years then it's a little late for you but the opening scene we see him in a car and you're like man this guy really likes sports he's listening to like i think it's a clippers game and he's listening to this game while he's just kind of slowly driving around and you're like man this guy can't miss this clippers game and then when the game ends, you see him rip the car into a parking deck. Awesome. And then just put on a hat and walk out with all the other sports fans. It's pretty cool. It's like a getaway from a bank robbery or a, a building robbery. And he stashes the car in a parking deck at the end of a basketball game in LA. Awesome. It's a sweet movie. My next one, Jason Statham, The Transporter. Okay. Such a fucking amazing movie. How that dude just manipulates an Audi is phenomenal. Now, okay. The Italian job? Is that a, a driving movie? Yeah. Okay, so you got Statham and Marky Mark. We probably should cover that. That's a good call. In the same movie. And you know what? I've never seen The Italian Job. Should probably watch it. It's probably a good cover. idea. Yeah, we'll have to cover that. What you got, Ness? Fast Five. Ooh-hee. The best 
Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, we have talked about this. It is. And the transition, the end of the true driving fast movies before they became what I call spy movies. So five was like... Well, five's technically a heist. It's the second of the heist. Well, right. It's like transitions between the two universes. So the first four are pretty much driving. The fifth one is driving, but heist. And then by the sixth one, we're just full out spy heist action movies and now we've entered space so i cannot wait for fast time travel jason momoa so aquaman's gonna be in it too now i'm excited i want to see some time travel i fucking how great with that dinosaurs or something they go back in time and tyrese goes back and fights a dinosaur stops brian from joining the gang brian stays alive forever even though technically he is alive they got to explain that final scene in fast nine my next one i'm going with fast and the furious tokyo drift yeah i'm going with covered Yeah, we covered Tokyo Drift. Probably like we talked about before. This was a throwaway movie. It was the last breath of Fast and the Furious. It's a it was just gonna be called Tokyo Drift, but they attached Fast and Furious because it was a dying franchise. Vin Diesel sees it and realizes we still got something here. And that movie could not have been any more car based. They should have taken that actor and put him in a NASCAR movie. Who? Oh, um, Lucas Black? Yeah. Not now. Not now. Well, maybe now. I don't maybe know. Maybe now. He's just so southern. No, this ain't no 10 second race. Oh, he's beyond. I southern. think even when he tries to not be southern, he can't help it but be very well you have to remember in the very beginning he was doing quarter miles in that old like 1970 charger yeah so my last one since i had smoking the bandit and it was a double kind of an outside the box driving movie but all it fucking is is driving is mad max fury road you're right just fucking chasing and driving and these big vehicles the entire the fucking plot of the entire movie is there's gasoline shortage we got to go find gasoline that's all <laughs> it is. like we got to find water and we got to find you know green stuff we're just driving through the We're desert. We're looking for weed. <laughs> we got to find some green. We need some Aussie weed. Yeah. So, but it's, but it's awesome. It's awesome driving. They're driving the big tanker trucks and stuff. My final one is a documentary. One of my favorite race car drivers of all time. Documentary encompassing the life of one Ayrton Senna. Just called Senna. It's a complete biography from when he started in karting up until when he died in Imola in 94. Guys, if you haven't watched, you don't have to even be a Formula One fan just to understand his influence on not just open wheel racing, but racing in general. A lot of people will attribute Dale Earnhardt to bringing in the era of safety, which is very true. The Hans device was created after Earnhardt died. Some of these safety changes started happening after Senna died seven years prior to that. So guys, check it out. I believe it's streaming on like three different things. Check out Senna. It's amazing. A few honorable mentions. Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof as part of the Grindhouse series. Kurt Russell, a stuntman Mike, yeah. driving, you know, a death proof stunt car. Fucking awesome. Great ending to that one. I got two, both starring Burt Reynolds. Cannonball Run movies, yep. one and two. There was a third, but third was, it was initially called Cannonball Run 3 Speed Zone, but then they dropped Cannonball Run and just called it Speed Zone. John Candy's in it, Eugene I've Levy. I've never seen it. It only came out it. on VHS, but it was like Canadian Cannonball Run. And then back to Burt Reynolds, he played a stuntman, Hooper. Yeah, Hooper. I would like to say the, was it a jackass episode where they did the gumball rally? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, Viva La Bam. Viva, Viva La, Bam. La Bam. I love it. That's a real thing. Yeah. I mean, they they actually do run the cannonball still. It's an actual thing. Uh, Repo Man, which I don't think Jim has seen. I've never <laughs> seen Not that. much of a driving movie. It's kind of a, a stretch. And then an underrated one that was kind of a weird time for movies, but it's called Collateral. It's directed oh, by yeah. Michael Mann, stars Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx and Jamie Foxx is a taxi driver Tom Cruise is a hitman and he basically needs Jamie Foxx to take him to all these appointments it's pretty cool get out of the pool and get some darts light up that ciggy
I'm setting up for cool weather. But if that sun breaks after you're on a track, you're liable to run real loose real quick. And I don't want to worry you enough, but Cole's not ready for that. He's changed. See, he's changed. You cannot get out of control and expect him to bring you right back. He's liable to hurt you. You're liable to hurt him. I couldn't handle that, so uh, you gotta take care of him. All right. Take care. Oh, yeah, brother. So what Jim failed to mention in this episode is that he used to have a vanity license plate that's <laughs> right behind him that <laughs> yeah, says right. Fusion 3. Fusion 3. And tell us why it was called Fusion 3. Okay, it was, called, it was called Fusion 3. I wanted to start a car club called Fusion Incorporated or Fusion Industries. I couldn't. Fusion Industries is cool. Which I tried. Like three people I worked with at Ponderosa had souped up cars like I did. And I use that term loosely because I just had a Dodge Neon that I put $3,000 into. Nothing tuning wise, just cosmetically. It looked fucking awesome. However, it didn't pan out because I wanted to have the windshield sticker and everything. So the number three, of course, for Dale Earnhardt. So and that's why. Because he was a fusion of, of man. He was a fusion of man and machine. Perfect. Don't fucking laugh. Just I hear you laughing out there, pool sceners. Don't do it. Wanted to put it on record. Yeah. <laughs> So our critical question this week, we are covering the uh, middle tooth thetan. I think it's a privilege to call yourself a Scientologist, and it's something that you have to earn. And because a Scientologist does, he or she has the ability to create new and better realities and improve conditions. What time frame would you consider Tom Cruise's prime? Oh. I would say either 83 to 90 or 92 to 96. So 83 to 90 is risky business. Risky business starts in 83. We then go all the right moves. Legend, Top Gun, Color of Money, Cocktail, Rain Man, Born the Fourth of July, Days of Thunder. That's 83 to 90. Now, only one movie separates the next group. There's a movie with Nicole Kidman called Far and Away. I haven't seen it, so I'm just going to say not part of his prime because I'm, I've seen everything. And then 92 to 96... A Few Good Men, The Firm, Interview with the Vampire, Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire. Now, again, oh. if, if if we included Far and Away, that's his filmography from 83 to 96. There are very few, if any, misses I mean, good there. thing you didn't go up to 99 because then Eyes Wide Shut enters the Which fray, is interesting. Which is a very weird movie. Man, I wouldn't even say 83 to 85. I'd go 86 to 90. So you'd go starting with Top Gun. Starting with Top Gun. Top Gun, Color, Money, Cocktail, Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, Days of Thunder, oh, up to 90. Yeah, that's... That's quite amazing. What do you think his best performance is? Out of everything? A few Good Men? Probably at Jerry Maguire? I think Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire is really good. A Few Good Men he's excellent in. I will say shout out to Tommy C for his performance in Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia as Frank T.J. Mackey. Now, Magnolia is an incredible film. It's definitely the greatest film of all time that's longer than three hours because it's fucking over. It's like three hours and 20 minutes. It's the gold standard for every movie now is three hours. It's one of the things that you like. <sighs> Two VHS tapes. Yeah. So Double you bad. have to put in a second tape to watch the rest of Magnolia. Bastards. All right, let's talk about logic. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. All right, so I will say almost everything about Russ Wheeler. Russ Wheeler don't deserve to win, Tim. And a NASCAR won't call it lowdown. Shit-ass racing. You better. Yeah. He sort of comes out of nowhere as the villain. He has no backstory. Like, exactly. He's the driver who replaces Cole. That's fine. But he's this enormous asshole. I guess you can just be an enormous asshole. You don't need to have a backstory. Why? But if he was such a phenom, why would he sign with Dolan? 
why not with like a bigger team? Where like- did he come from? Because like he just steps into Cole's car and wins. He's this phenomenal like rookie of the year, even over Cole. Here's the thing. He didn't just step into Cole's car. He brought his own sponsorship over Cole's yes. car. Yes. So And Dolan had to use Cole because he couldn't get a driver. And it's like maybe Cole's couple wins before the wreck gives Dolan some credibility. Who is Russ Wheeler? Here, I got something that could have been solved in five minutes of dialogue on screen. So that scene where they're in the shop and Cole's trying to find out about the doctor. What's her name? Claire. Where she lived? Claire. To send her flowers. Yeah. Thank you. Try to get in her pants. Harry goes, this is Russ Wheeler. He's going to be driving a car. What happened if you showed a little exposition? Like after Russ leaves, Harry and Cole are talking. Do you know about that guy? When I was racing open wheel out in California, he was my top rival. Yes. He was on the opposite team. It was always me versus him. And all of a sudden you get Russ Wheeler to come in and it's the perfect revenge story because then he's going to start taking out Cole's life. Son of a legend. Yeah. What if he's literally anyone except for a guy who almost makes Cole obsolete? Pretty much. Because (laughs) like they almost paint it as like he takes over Cole's car and he's better than Cole. Which makes no sense. It's so weird. It's so weird that he's such an asshole. And I don't know if it's because of when Cole's on the phone and Russ tries to talk to him. And he ignores him. And Cole kind of shoes him off. Is that why he's such an asshole to Cole? Remember what Russ says, though, after he shoes him off and he leans in again as he's talking. He goes, I hope I'll be as good as you are one day. Yeah. And then he walks away. And then Cole kind of gives him this look. Yeah. But yeah, little exposition. Say he was a rival. Who is this guy? I don't know. So my next one, and it's a big logic issue when it comes to these races in general. Bashing the shit out of a car like that constantly is going to aerodynamically fuck any possibility of you winning a race. Short track racing is different. You don't have to deal with aero and high speeds. That's one thing. But super speedways like Daytona and Atlanta, you need your car to be as clean as humanly possible in order to draft. If your car is busted to shit, I know this is getting technical pool seniors, bear with me. If your car is busted to shit, you are not going to be aerodynamically solid and there's no way in hell you're going to win a race. And Cole's car at the end of every race looks like he pissed off a husband because Cole fucked his wife and the guy took a sledgehammer to his car. It's that bad. These cars get so tremendously dirty, which makes me think all these exhaust fumes that are coming into Cole's car, how he didn't get knocked out by yeah. carbon monoxide blows my mind. So speaking of car stuff, Cole waits how many races to tell Harry that he doesn't know much about cars? Because I don't know much about cars, okay? Well, hey. Cole, that don't make you a damn bit different from any driver I ever met. No, I mean, I really don't know. I don't know what you just said about uh, a turn here and wedge there. I don't know. I don't know. How did that be? What's the difference? They, they, they told me to get in the car and drive, and I could drive. Point is, I'd like to help out, but I can't. I'm an idiot. I don't have the vocabulary. Well, well, then we're just going to have to... You want out like three or four races. He's like a driving savant. So I'm not saying that this is impossible, but it feels like it could have been one of the scenes that they wrote on the fly. Yeah, because we find out that he's struggling and it has to do with I don't know much about cars. Uh, you say a turn here and a wedge here. I don't know what that means. He doesn't know much. He So he's literally, he can get in the car and drive it and he's great, but he doesn't know. He doesn't have a paintbrush. <laughs> to go back to the last track. <laughs> exactly. What I don't get no, is... No, my friend. <laughs> that's the thing about any crew chief like Harry. They're going to know within 30 seconds if you understand the inner workings of a car. They're not going to let you get in that car unless you know, are you oversteering? Are you understeering? You need to know these terms. You need to know how a car feels. That's why there's no such thing that a stock car is a stock car. It's all the same. Yeah. But it's not. 
Right. It's not. Right. And these were, I, they say, what is it Illumina? It's Illumina. Yeah. Chevy Illumina. Cold trickle. Cold, did you have any idea you could run the car wide open to that last turn and make it stick like that? I knew it all along. How's that? Well, that last stop, uh, when I came in, Harry put on special tires. Special tires? Uh, Harry Hawk, what's special about it? Well, nothing in particular. You know. Looks like Harry Hawk has a little explaining to do. A lot of things that make no sense, too, and I mentioned it briefly before. A lot of the B-roll they use is not compatible with the actual scenes they are racing. At one point, you got to look. It's a split second, but I paused it. That final race at Daytona, there's the big wreck. Cole powers through it, but... If you pause it at one point, you see a mellow yellow car get fucking douched and taken out, which makes me think at the same time, Kyle Petty, Richard Petty's brother, who also raced NASCAR, raced the mellow yellow car, but it was oh. the mellow yellow 42. Okay. So that car was taken out. But next thing you see, here comes Cole steaming through it. So a lot of the scenes don't jump. There are a couple weird secrets that don't need to be secrets or don't add to the story. So we, we brought this up earlier. Cole quits open wheel racing because all he says is I lost my ride because mm -hmm. Harry says, well, if you are coming off all these championships and wins, why did you get fired? And he goes, I did get fired. I lost my ride. And it's like, OK, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So you find out it's because wasn't it his, his dad who was selling stolen yachts? Yeah, he was. He was selling stolen yachts. What? And then you have the angle with Harry's former driver, Buddy. His, his buddy brother, too. Again, there's all this conflicting information with, well, he had a massive heart attack. Are they hiding this from Buck? They're treating That's Buck... Yeah. Like he's uh, clueless. Uh, that's so wrong to hide the his details of his death. father's death. And it makes no sense to me again, that Buck introduces himself at the first, the first time we meet Cole, he says, I'm Buck Bretherton. And he goes, nice to meet you. Cause he says something. He tells him like, hell, I thought this was going to be a joke. You never drove a stock car before? Yeah, sprints mainly. What's your name? Buck Bretherton. What's yours? Cole Trickle. It's damn nice to meet you, Buck. Damn nice to meet you too, Cole. They appear that they're going to be close. Buck is on his crew. Yeah. But then literally like after four races, so he's been around this guy multiple times every day in practice and stuff. He goes, who's your dad? Why? Why? <laughs> it never came up. Like Come he doesn't on. know who it is. All he says, you have to remember after he does that qualifying race, I'm pretty sure that's the only time you ever talked to Buck. What's your name? What's your name? Buck. I'm Cole. Damn nice to meet you, Cole. Yeah, damn nice to meet you too. So another interesting side story about this movie, when it came to the actual movie cars. So these were legit NASCAR prepped during the 1990 Daytona Speed Weeks. These cars, both of Cole's cars, Rowdy car, Russ's car, they were in the actual garage being prepped for film day. So they put the cameras in the bumper. Rusty Wallace and Dale Earnhardt themselves were pissed that these cars were in the actual garage and actually racing on Daytona racetrack. Even though some guys said these cars were fast as hell. Yeah. But they took exception to the fact like that the fucking undertaker in WWE locker room. Yes. These guys coming in out of nowhere are trying to show up. These guys, a lot of these good old boys took that as an insult because in the South there's NASCAR and nothing else. That's yeah. it. All right. Legacy. I, I will say, even though we didn't include it on our Mount Rushmore, is this the definitive? It is the definitive NASCAR movie, it right? Is. Oh, yeah. Or is it Talladega Nights? Talladega Nights is like a parody and a comedy, but there's still some like themes. Well, before Days of Thunder, once again, I'm mentioning Burt Reynolds again. He did a movie called Stroker Ace. Yeah. 
where he was a NASCAR driver. But a lot of the NASCAR guys, even though Earnhardt was in it, Petty, took that as an insult to NASCAR. Yeah. I feel that this movie did NASCAR right. It tried to, at it, least. Yeah. yeah, it tried to. But a lot of people don't see race car drivers as athletes. You just all you have to do is turn left. Dude, it's a physically demanding yeah. sport. It's a sport. Now, as much as is, I'm not built to be a race car driver. I'm like, what do you do for 300 laps, 500 laps, whatever? And then I'm like, on top of it, imagine having to practice every day. Oh, yeah. And just drive around on a track to practice. I, Where, could, I couldn't do it. Wearing like, layers of clothing in high heat. Yes. I'm like, not for me. But I will say the thing about Talladega Nights compared to this movie the overall theme, again, parody, you know, really silly, but you've got these Southern boys who rule the sport and then a foreign driver comes in Yeah, in the South uh -uh. and that's happened, right? Oh, we've yeah. had foreign NASCAR drivers. Yeah, of course. When uh, Juan Montoya went from IndyCar, yeah. Formula One came into NASCAR. Look at Danica Patrick. Yes, I was going to say. Uh, Not foreign, but, but female foreign because you can't have a woman driver. A female Yankee. Yeah, I wish she would have won a race because she didn't, correct? No, she only won an open, one open real race. That's okay. it for IndyCar. So the, the legacy of this movie, it's probably definitive oh, NASCAR far. movie. So yeah. until there's another, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Stick around for some plugs. like radically expanded dudes fantastic spaciousness double gnarly for sure whoa at Tiago Lake dudes Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool Sceners group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all, at Pool Scene Pod One. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now back to Kevin. It has never been more appropriate than now. Final lap guy. Yeah! So I have to have some surgery tomorrow. Yeah. It, with a snowstorm, it's yeah. on its way. We're getting the uh, Ang Lee movie Ice Storm here coming to us uh, basically throughout, I, I guess, everywhere. Because one of my um, contacts at work in Oklahoma, they were like struggling with some weather. But we're supposed to get a ton of rain and then it's supposed to freeze. And then we're supposed to get like 15 inches of snow on top of it. I'm supposed to have surgery. So basically... My eardrum, my left eardrum, not functioning. Your eardrum's supposed to open and close as necessary. That's like why you can... Which blows my mind how long you've been like this. It's, and it's been forever. I've been yeah. to the doctor five times. I've been given every antibiotic, every steroid, nasal sprays, allergy pills, and then go back and it's more steroids, more antibiotics, more nasal sprays, and more allergy pills. Why? I, I've done all the right things and they haven't addressed it. So they sent me to a specialist, like a ear, nose, throat guy, and there's a new... like experimental surgery so they are going to put a balloon in my eustachian tube so they're gonna knock me out just an outpatient thing they're gonna stick a catheter up my nose they're going to go to the uh 
your eustachian tube is made up of bones and cartilage. They're going to oh. find that cartilage and they're going to inflate a balloon, which should then open my uh, eardrum. They're also going to put a uh, tube in my ear so that I can get some like immediate relief. But um, yeah, it should be a while, I think, before... I get some relief concerning my eardrum, which is crazy because none of you would ever have known it's Kevin's had hearing issues no. for a considerably long time. And I worry because a lot of times if you have like an ear infection or something, you're not supposed to fly and I don't and have you, anything you have. like immediate coming up, but I have flown and uh, I'm afraid I won't be able to fly like right after surgery. I'm afraid I listen to headphones at work. That's my, that's like literally my sanity is at work. I can put in my headphones. I can like go to some other place, listen to a podcast, whatever. And I'm afraid I won't be able to wear headphones. If I can't, I'll just wear them in my right ear. You just put a bud in your one ear. Put a bud, put weed in my ear. For the longest time, I want to say maybe the whole of first season, we didn't wear headphones. We just wear It's weird. Yeah. Never had any ear problems growing up. Like I never had, like my wife had to have tubes. I constantly... I did when I was a baby. I never had tubes as a baby. I never had any issue at all. And I honestly think what happened is I was swimming some laps at the Y and uh, I think I got some water in my ear that never escaped. And then what the uh, ear, nose, throat guy said is that like, if you get water in your ear, if it doesn't come out immediately, it pretty quickly turns into what he called like rubber cement. He says it becomes like this, like sticky sludge. Yeah. And then he's like, it won't just come out. Nope. Real quick. I won the football predictions from last week. I did correctly say it would be the Rams and the Bengals Super Bowl 56. So we'll talk about this more as we get closer to Super Bowl time, but we'll give our predictions maybe next week. I don't know, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting Super Bowl. I don't know if I'll watch. I love Matt Stafford. I don't want OBJ to win a Super Bowl. I'm not really bothered if the Bengals did win the Super Bowl. You're crazy. I'm not. Brown should be where the Bengals are. That's the upsetting thing. All the Bengals did was draft a quarterback and a receiver. And look what they did. Drafted a quarterback and receiver. Their coach was on the hot seat. They mm-hmm. draft a quarterback and a receiver, and it completely changes the trajectory of the franchise. And the Browns instead invest in offensive line and running back and everything else. To protect the quarterback. That we, Baker's fine. Yeah. But he's not. But then you have two stud running backs that you don't use properly. I would prefer the Rams to win, even though they have OBJ. I would prefer that the Rams win. It's get- a home game game Stafford Super Bowl and then the Bengals don't join the Steelers and the Ravens with having a Super Bowl I just I can't deal with it I'm trying to book a hotel room for Cincinnati coming up since the last time I looked I I feel like prices have ballooned a bit oh you think and I'm like they go to the Super Bowl and they fucking think they're this is their third Super Bowl Los Angeles yes the other thing I want to mention quickly uh, I want to briefly address the uh, Joe Rogan Neil Young stuff with Spotify so regardless of where you fall in the issue Spotify is not necessarily bound to the first amendment but they're actually protecting our first amendment and right to choose so there was a ton of pressure for them to remove joe rogan stemming from his real or perceived spread of misinformation not for us to decide i mean i i think you could probably guess jim and i's thoughts yep at the end of the day spotify they're obviously gonna side with rogan from a capitalism perspective money they paid him what like it's a hundred million three hundred million dollars or something to be on spotify meanwhile everybody else gets a four cents per per player whatever it is not even 0.4 cents so it was neil young's to write to remove his music our audience it's up to you to choose what media you want to consume and how to consume it but i implore each of you personally use critical thinking and research facts 
before you follow what any podcaster tells you to do. Exactly. Jim and I included. Yeah. This applies to buying a product from an ad or research, man. Ingesting horse paste. Yeah. I mean, it's just Christ. It is a mess. It is. It is one of those things where in America now, everyone has a platform that doesn't deserve Twitter at all. Twitter. Yeah. Gives enough idiots an opinion and then you put them all together and they become a large entity with bad opinions. Yeah. Not based on reality. I mean, we could remove our podcast from Spotify, but honestly, one, it's not going to move the needle. But Listen, two, we're chicken feed. Yes. I mean. But even if we weren't, the amount of people who would switch over to a different service, it's just. We do have different services. People have, unfortunately, the ability, but that's part of the First Amendment. Yeah. They can choose. They can choose. If they want to follow that, they can follow that. Yeah. So, Kevin, I'm going to end it with a uh, kind of a sad, sad news story. We lost Howard Hessman this past week. Uh, a lot of you are like, who the hell is Howard Hessman? Let me enlighten you people. So Howard Hessman was a very big influence on my childhood. He was Dr. Johnny Fever and WKRP in Cincinnati. Sorry, Kevin. But I always grew up loving radio. I'll never forget when I saw Johnny Fever and watching WKRP as a kid. It was a huge influence on me. One of the biggest reasons I got on radio and got into radio. He also was a teacher, Charlie Moore, in Head of the Class on ABC. I used to love that show. I'd been kind of watching it every now and again. Howard Hessman was just an awesome dude. You read about all the stuff he did, just iconic stuff. I just want to say, Howard Hessman, rest in power, my friend. And uh, we'll see you on the other side, Dr. Fever. Yeah, I can't remember any of his catchphrases off the uh, top of my head, but I do remember when he got fired from WKRP for saying the word booger yeah he did so we'll end <laughs> this podcast by saying booger baby if you've ever wondered wondered whatever became of me i'm living on the air in cincinnati cincinnati wkrp got kind of tired of packing and unpacking in a while I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati